opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are in the you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that's a hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 the hard left, the hard left, hard left, the hard left, hard left, Yes, you heard it right. You're here now with the real politic. Well, two of the real politic. We're going to just have a little discussion about stuff. I'm Tom. I'm Jack. Yeah, there we go. Kieran and Yaya cannot be with us. Yaya is currently in Montana. Is he? He's he's loitering around there looking for a new home with his family. He is loitering with intent (laughs) to buy houses. (laughs) And he's also going to be loitering with intent to join the DSA chapter out there. He is. He is. He's going to be getting in there, just making sure there's no kind of more on the socialism, less on the Democrats (laughs) (laughs) in the uh, in the DSA. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So he's over there. Kieran is. um, He's in Liverpool. He's in the vaults. I don't think there is a bigger expert in this country on Merseyside Trotskyism than Kieran Morris. <laughs> he yeah, he's just locked himself in like I don't well, he even, he's like he says he's he always says he's at the archive. I don't even know what he's referring to. <laughs> but he's uh an I an archive of Trotskyism. Yeah <laughs> Trot completely and utterly delved in. He's just in Derek Hatton's basement in one of his expensive <laughs> properties that he vlogs. Ugh <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's great because he'll come back and on the group chat he'll just be relaying all this incredible information that he's just dug up because he will he, he loves trawling through various archives and I'm sure he'll be able to give us some good bites on what he's discovered there but yeah like so it's just us two this week but we've got a, you collated a list of talking points that we want to sort of get through we'll get through some of them I'm sure but this is yeah sort of like a general political catch up isn't it really yeah we've crowdsourced (laughs) these talking points because as you know when it comes to real politic it's tech it's exciting it's young people it's crowdsourcing (laughs) it is that's our kind of podcast slogans it is it's tech it's exciting it's young people it's crowdsourcing and what have we got to discuss what list because I've got the list in front of me and it's quite it's a colourful list it's, it's mostly just saying we're going to talk about this person, dash, cunt, <laughs> slug, Tom Watson being a, a slug. I, I thought that said being a slag, but no, it says being a slug. I was Tom like, wow. Watson being a fucking slag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Just come through on Twitter. Our friend Tamlin at Posadist International has messaged us saying that we've forgotten his suggestion, which was the importance of giving up smoking for young radicals. And of course, a lot of our friends on the radical left are giving up smoking because they know they've got to stay alive for a long fl- a long fight. <laughs> us, however, 
<laughs> we uh, haven't taken that vow, I don't think. If you've listened to our previous episodes, we have let you down. I'm yeah. very sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and and speaking of vows, Stephen Bush of the New Statesman, who, I mean, is obviously the best of the core New Statesman writers, like, without a doubt the least sluggish, even though I believe he's on record as openly and unashamedly being a Blairite. Um, <laughs> I said that in as stigmatising a manner as I could possibly. But yeah, Stephen Bush wrote that the anti-Corbyn people in Labour have abandoned their vow of silence tactic, which they've apparently been trying recently. Now, I mean, th- this this irks me. When was this vow of, si- when was this vow of silence? <laughs> When was this the when... I mean, yeah, for a start... Fucking bullshit. The vow, of, the vow of silence is fucking guff. Like, it is absolute fucking nonsense. 24-carat nonsense. You look at the stuff Ian Murray has tweeted about Corbyn recently, for example. I think Ian Austin was tweeting stuff about Corbyn, but relentlessly briefing anonymously to the press still. There's been no shortage of such and such anonymous Labour MP says, oh, you know, I'm terribly worried that Labour's going to lose a million seats and ISIS are going to finally establish their caliphate in Britain because of the lack of opposition. Like, (laughs) you get this. And then they they, they sort of said, ah, they say to the journalists, as they're just laying into Corbyn to them. They're like, it's so bad, it's so bad, I'm not even talking to the press about it. And the journalist's just like, hang on, let me, give me a sec, let me write that down. It's really um, pathetic, and to see intelligent journalists buying this nonsensical load of crap is just astounding. But secondly, what, do you want a fucking medal for not actively undermining your own party in public? You fucking slugs. <laughs> Like, yeah, you have, is, have a fucking Mars bar. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Have a fucking Mars bar. They, they play dumb, it seems. They really do play dumb on that whole kind of, you know, oh, we're, we we swear we're not kind of inviting the media into this. It's just like when you have, like, George Eaton doing his tweets when he's reporting on what's supposedly going on in a parliamentary Labour Party meeting. Yeah. Just kind of him getting... <laughs> that's just like, Bauer silence my fucking yeah, ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're getting up at the parliamentary Labour Party meeting and they're saying... Oh, what do we get from our so-called leader? And meanwhile, with their one hand that isn't gesticulating wildly in the air, they're, you know, texting fucking Eton or Marie <laughs> Lacon or whatever slug. It's, I mean, it's just... The individual who said, you know, our so-called leader, that was the McDonald's MP, wasn't it? It that was, was uh... the McDonald's MP, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Everyone, of course, knows who the McDonald's MP is. I don't even is... think we need to mention his name, to be honest, because yeah. he's a bit of a fucking non-entity, isn't he? I mean, literally the only reason anyone has ever heard of him is because he chose McDonald's as his hill to die on. Because <laughs> <laughs> because him him and Ian Austin, who we... I think we can mention the weird balloon-headed fucking gimp. Like, because uh, <laughs> they, they, they just went 
balls to the wall last year because Labour's conference arrangement committee, uh, which I don't even think Corbyn's on, decided that Labour wasn't going to take money from McDonald's to have a McDonald's stand at a Labour conference. And instantly, you know, you got the old, oh, you can't do this from the McDonald's MP, from Ian Austin, from Chris Leslie, who yeah. posted a picture on Twitter of himself eating at McDonald's. Is it Chris Leslie or Chris Bryant, the one who demanded that he have a 30-minute meeting with Corbyn to put to him a hypothetical question of what he'd do if we had to invade Russia? Which one of them was it? <laughs> that was, was Chris that... Bryant. That was... That was... Oh, that was Chris Bryant, was it? Okay. Oh, fucking hell. Chris Wait. Bryant, who, I mean, for a while I quite liked him because he... he yeah, like... He, he said... I, no, I mean, he's obviously... I didn't know he was that hawkish, like... Yeah, we, we <laughs> I'm know, shocked. We know now he's... Uh, <laughs> we know now, but during the Miliband era when he was shadow culture secretary I quite like Chris Bryant because he really really upset James Blunt just by saying that like posh people shouldn't be hugely represented in the arts and and James Blunt just threw this huge hissy fit saying that like he'd been discriminated against for being posh in the music industry (laughs) (laughs) Well, he gets points for that, I guess. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that was Chris Bryan then. Who, who could you have like just? I I don't care about anything else. What are you gonna do if we have to invade Russia, Corbyn? Come on! <laughs> Damn, like, I mean, he was ahead of the curb on that, really. I mean, Akehurst and Bryan were pioneering the Russia yeah, paranoia they, before it became they're, they're, de rigueur for any liberal in the Western world. <laughs> Chris Bryant began the the whole Russia, and then of course um, Luke Akers, he finessed <laughs> the meme the meme surrounding him now. Russia, his... so, sorry, I, I I just called Luke Akers Russia by accident. Luke Akers has been perfecting and refining the Russia meme for quite a while now. <laughs> He's been tweeting the word Russia on its own in response to people's questions for a few years, I think, uh, since at least uh, at least 2015 maybe even before. So Akehurst is really, he stands kind of head and shoulders above everybody else, kind of like shining like a big red beacon in the night. Surely he sees how he's his own joke at this point? Or um, is he just, is he delirious? Is he does he not realise that? Or is he... I, I'm assuming he knows it's a, it's a it's absolute piss take by this point, but I wouldn't put it past him, you I know? certainly like, think Luke Akehurst is delirious, as you say, on Cold War vigour. You know, it's in his blood. He is old labour right. NATO, nukes. I mean, that's what they're all about. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, so going back to the defence of McDonald's put forth by the McDonald's MP and others, it's this idea that if you attack a company, you are attacking the company's workers, which is yeah, just it's... not how any left-wing thought works. Like, <laughs> equating the workers with with the bosses is is the most like fundamentally undialectical yeah, thing it's... you can possibly do. It's oh, I mean it's... it's truly moronic and it's this kind of bizarre new labor orthentocracy where they sort of pretend not to know what a cappuccino is or <laughs> or or they think that that ordinary people are just these fucking thick 
cunts who just think that McDonald's is like really healthy for you and that they're like a really ethical company <laughs> and they're <laughs> grateful for all the zero hours contracts that they get from them. Yeah, like trying to say oh, it's but well, it's good for you know the youngins to you know get their career going you know working because like oh, I yeah, yeah, did did the McDonald's MP by any chance work for McDonald's? He did. Yeah, on? he worked. Did he? In, I, it, I believe he he rose up to a managerial position. I, I'm not sure if this was before he became head of the National Union of Students. For a long time, a Blairite slug hotspot before Malia uh, Butia. I, I worry I'm saying her name wrong, but yeah, who I think is very good. Took the reins last year. Yeah, well, she she was being briefed against, wasn't she? Yeah. She from the vice was it the vice chair, uh, the vice president of the National Union of Students who was trying to get her out. Yeah, just some total toad, and she's been attacked routinely by MPs as well, which is really quite astounding for um, you know somebody who's involved with the student movement. I mean, they've had Ruth Smith MP has just blasted. Ruth Smith MP, who is definitely a CIA asset. Like, no, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. That's not even just me saying that. Like, I, she's listed somewhere as, like, an American asset, although she denies this. <laughs> yeah, she, she called the Muslim president of the NUS and her allies, many of whom are also uh, people of colour and Muslim, uh, extremists, which seems, seems a very loaded term from Ruth Smith there. But, you know, we're talking about this kind of new Labour authentocracy and how it's predicated on the complete contempt that so-called labour moderates have for the general public, for their intellectual capacity. And I think another example of a prominent figure just taking the public for a bunch of idiotic dickheads is John Harris of The Guardian, The Guardian's <laughs> official bigotry correspondent. Uh, who, yeah, who... His, he has a very cutting-edge style of journalism where he just go. He, his video reports are just him going into the town centre of somewhere and just going up to people and going, so what do you think of immigrants? <laughs> <laughs> it's Corbyn's shit, isn't he? <laughs> and then he just walks away going... And there you have it. <laughs> the voice of the working class. I'm really worried by today. what I saw here. It's really concerning for a man of the left like me. Oh, well, better cuddle up with me Oasis CDs again. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he, like, I think I, I've described him as just a Britpop wanker. He's written extensively <laughs> on Britpop. <laughs> and, uh, and, and actually, you know, I quite like Oasis. I don't want to completely um, attack all of Britpop. Yeah, it, it was quite a malign uh, Blairite cultural influence for the most part. Like, you got Oasis at the Brit Awards in 96 saying, like, the five people on this stage and Alan McGee of Creation Records are, like, the only people that young people in Britain can relate to. And Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit that Noel Gallagher fucking deeply regrets. Yeah. Although did, his did, politics are... Yeah, didn't he come out not too long ago and was, like, going, ah, no, Labour now, they're, they're communists now. We need to go back to Blair. He's called both Jeremy Corbyn and Ed Miliband communists. <laughs> well, immediately, if you're calling Ed Miliband a communist, I'm sort of distrusting of your political views, to be quite honest, if you think Ed <laughs> I, Miliband is a communist. I've heard, though, that Liam supports Corbyn. Like, it's come out. I won't okay. put it past Liam. Like, one of my favourite ever moments on Twitter, I'm actually going to just search this now. 
is after George Michael very sadly died after Christmas. Okay, I found my favourite tweet, one of my favourite tweets ever. So the news came out that George Michael had died very sadly quite young. And Liam Gallagher, being a fan of his, wrote on Twitter, it better not be true about George Michael. To which somebody called MH, short for uh, mental health, I mean, that's what I think when I I see those two letters, but that probably says a lot about me. That thing about him being inappropriate in that toilet cubicle, all true, mate. To which Liam Gallagher responded, You're a massive cunt, good job you're a nobody, as if be coming down your chimney and volleying you in the face. Liam just fucked him up, man. Like, it's some great shit. But we were talking about John Harris, weren't we? Who is the Guardian's yes. bigotry correspondent. If you live in the north in a town that was deindustrialized, You've met John Harris. You've met John Harris. If you are pro-immigration, he didn't include the footage in his Guardian videos. <laughs> you don't fit in with his interpretation, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you like Corbyn, that shit is on the cutting room floor, my friend. I'm sorry. What's he been doing? Well, he made a very stupid tweet. An extremely oh. stupid tweet. Uh, and we are going to use the tweets of our good friend from the Financial Times, Stephen Smith, to illustrate just why John Harris was wrong. Because he was resolutely seen off. So John Harris, at John Harris, 1969. <laughs> nice. He posted two pictures, which are supposed to contradict each other. So, John McDonnell, this is a Guardian headline, John McDonnell, Labour must show unbreakable fiscal discipline. And then a new headline, UK should not be afraid of debt or borrowing, says Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn. So, <laughs> so this is very kind of like Osborne-era austerity bullshit that's coming out from John Harris. It's very much kind of playing into this idea that Labour have advanced a very credible economic case for borrowing, which is absolutely something that a left party should be doing at this point, because austerity doesn't work. The system of cutting spending, although people's quantitative easing and stuff like that would be a step in the right direction, printing a bit more money with interest rates at historic lows, now would be a perfect time to borrow. And even if so, having debt if you're investing productively does not necessarily kill your economy. But let's let's take this away from my own amateurish economics and let (laughs) Stephen Smith step in. Stephen Smith pointed out to John Harris, John. There is a difference between current spending, brackets, McDonald's discipline reference, and investment spending. John Harris, uh, you know, educated journalist who is broadcasting this stuff and is with his large platform, said, Really? I never knew that. (laughs) Point is about rhetorical top lines and how politics works. What? It's like, John, (laughs) Stephen Smith has just pointed out to you that you don't understand how political economy works. So... You're the one telling people that this is not how politics works, when actually it is. These statements aren't contradictory. Matt Zarb-Cousin, Corbyn's former press spokesman, who just resigned recently, not out of disloyalty to Corbyn, I should say. Matt's a solid socialist, but, you know, that's a hard job. It takes a toll on one's health. 
And Matt told John Harris, you're the only one propagating the false notion it's inconsistent. Maybe tell people it isn't if it isn't. <laughs> and at the same time, he said, um, if you know this is not economically inconsistent, maybe you could use your platform as a journalist to inform people of that. And John Harris said, what I say doesn't count for much. Well, it's like that. I mean, that's true in some ways. <laughs> but on the other hand, you, you you write a column in The Guardian, you do videos for The Guardian, you have a lot of Twitter followers. 25,000 Twitter followers. Yeah, so he has there's some, there's some influence there somewhat. Yeah, so he spread this mistruth about McDonnell to 25,000 people. He said, point is, people think Labour is profligate, wasteful. McDonnell seemed to get it. Corbyn not. And Stephen Smith said, nope, you got platform. Labour's big economic error of recent times was not nailing the lie that spending caused financial crisis. And Matt Azar cousin also used a good line to John Harris, which is that you are, I can't find the tweet, but he said, you are not a passive observer of politics. You are an active participant. And I think that's something that all these journalists seem to neglect, the role they play in shaping the terms of our political debate and the narratives through which people comprehend current events. Yeah, so there he was. He was absolutely seen off. I mean, just for being absolutely idiotic, trying to get a cheap gotcha point at the left. And what makes it really nasty is that it's furthering Tory arguments. I mean, his exactly. idea was this is the kind of thing that you will be attacked for. And it's annoying as well when it's when, it, you know, he's always constantly going, oh, well, I'm arguing from the left. It's like, please, no, no. He, he needs to fucking like go and get a new bowl cut or something, just like something, something to keep him occupied. Go write about some fucking music. Have, have a strum on his Union Jack guitar, like... <laughs> Ah, uh, back in the day, circa 1997. The summer of 1997. The real summer of love. <laughs> Landslides and love. <laughs> All right, well, who should we see off next? Because this seems uh, to be very much a settling scores kind of episode. What about... I like this minor political figures who have irritated us. Yeah, this was suggested by our friend and Clive Lewis's future director of communications, Farage's fucked face. <laughs> of course. Of course it was suggested by Farage's fucked face. Uh, well, do you want to start? Yeah, okay, uh, I, I can think of a particularly minor political figure. In fact, in, fa in fact, I go so far as to say a kind of insignificant political figure. A figure who has just made an infinitesimally small contribution to the Labour movement throughout his life. Oh my word, that's pretty damning. So this person is former Shadow Chancellor Chris Leslie. <laughs> ah, okay. And we're going to read an extract. Alright, so this is from a book called The End of the Party by the Toad Andrew Rawnsley. The Toad. And um, this was sent by Twitter user OidPTG to Chris Leslie earlier today with the caption, Melt. <laughs> yeah, this is the new, yeah, all these new words for, you know, 
what you've called the lexicon of the left. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about the new lexicon yes. of the left. We'll yes. get. We'll get to that. Which, which, in fact, Oid PTG is very influential in forming. Absolutely. This extract that he sent to Chris Leslie is as follows: They were very good days. <laughs> catching sight. <laughs> catching sight of Chris Leslie. The 24-year-old who had unseated the chairman of the Tory 1922 committee at Shipley, Blair thought the face was familiar. You know, he looks just like that guy who used to do Gordon's photocopying. His diary secretary, Kate Garvey, replied, Tony, that is the guy who used to do Gordon's photocopying. (laughs) Seen off by Blair! Fucking rooms, mate. Oh, Absolute no. cunt. Pussyhole Chris Leslie. If you're getting seen off by Blair, you've got you. Re- there is real no hope for you, I, to be honest. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, uh, there's another thing we can say about Tony Blair. If it, now that we've got on to the topic of the new lexicon of the left, one of the key phrases in the new lexicon of the left is slug so you know say somebody has been behaving badly on the centrist wing of politics such and such is a slug however in 1998 tony blair met piers morgan for an interview with the daily mirror he later told alistair campbell that morgan is a slug (laughs) but clever (laughs) <laughs> so you know Blair, Blair had a mixed take on Morgan so it's slug and I'd agree <laughs> Piers Morgan is a fucking slug I'd go further than saying he's a slug but the new lexicon for left is important because during the Labour leadership contest Labour issued a list of prescribed words which you were not allowed to um <laughs> I can only guess what... Is this based on the last few conferences that have been held in conjunction with the Labour Party? And obviously all, all these reports have been filed in in terms of abuse that supposedly happened and stuff. So they've kind of... Are you talking about the incident from the 2016 Young Labour conference when a person's whole group of friends got called Blairite nonsense? <laughs> I am absolutely referring to that. <laughs> and I am going to ask you, in this in this release that's been put forward, things you can't say is Blairite nonce one of the new things you now cannot say at conferences and in any sort of general Labour meeting alright so this isn't new this came out last year during the leadership contest I can't find the list of prescribed words I had it a while ago but yeah basically Off off the top of your head you weren't allowed to say like traitor you weren't allowed to say I think scab was banned like like blairite <laughs> scab wasn't allowed and um, which, which is difficult because so many blairites are literal scabs yeah like they, they don't support trade union real conundrum rights. there well like what else are you going to call them for example uh son of a bus driver sadiq khan who has taken a decidedly blairite turn since becoming mayor yeah. of london um it's funny that yeah it's interesting this son of a bus driver a son of a former transport worker did not support the RNT and Aslef's um, strike action when when they uh, recently went on strike. W- weren't you at you were at an event recently where Khan gave a speech? I was, yes. You were there in the background. Scab. I may, I may have I may have shouted scab. I think I shouted Corbin, Corbin, Corbin <laughs> with more vigor. But 
Yeah, that was a screening of the new film The Salesman, which is very good. Ah, yes. um, it was part of his corny bullshit. London is open. Yeah. Kind of campaign. London is open to international capital. I believe <laughs> is what is what he's talking about there. To that. But where where were we? Yeah. So all these phrases were banned, but there were a few that weren't. Slug was not banned. Oh, Cop was not banned. Oh, okay. Again, a lot of cops in the Labour Party, so I'm surprised they did not ban that. Yeah, because Scab, I mean, it's obviously difficult because he might end up calling a literal anti-strike Scab a Scab. But with Cop, yeah, you know, for for all the people working for the police and intelligence services in the Labour Party, yeah, they didn't seem to think of that one. Although... When I call Blairites cops on Twitter, they frequently seem confused. They sort of say, what What do you mean by that? What does that mean? They don't <laughs> seem to have encountered the word cop. That's what they want you to think. They want you to think that they don't actually know what you're referring to. I don't think they thought of nonce either, which again is interesting because... <laughs> yeah, like, I'm guessing if you were to actually say it during this, they'd probably call out a motion on you to get you kicked out of the, the meeting or something. Or yeah, would they... I'm sure they would have. Yeah, yeah, I would it's... like to put forth the notion that the secretary of the CLP is a fucking nonce. <laughs> And there have also been some newer entries, for instance, Melt. I mean, what is that classic tweet from Oid PTG, which is, uh, they call them soft left for a reason, don't they? Bunch of fucking melts. <laughs> <laughs> the soft left. They're not great with their memes, if I'm brutally honest. If you want to go onto, like, Facebook pages or any sort of Twitter page like Malmentum or Owen Smith memes for socialist teens or fucking shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a great site. Yeah, the, pe- the people who run these accounts are cops. <laughs> <And> <laughs> cops have never been renowned for their great sense of humour. I mean, their I- idea of, of great sense of humour is like, huh, look at the position that that minority we've just kicked to death in the street is sprawled in like this is like oh a slapstick you know <laughs> they like punched an asian man in what they thought was a very comical fashion that's i mean that's cop humor really <laughs> so these people are not great with their soft left memes i have to say the hard left are winning the argument in that regard. And another thing that people on the sort of soft and centre-left have recently been excited about, and when I say recently, I mean absolutely incessantly every fucking second of every fucking day since June the 23rd last year, is Europe! Oh yeah. Every every political debate has to be framed around the issue of Europe in some way. I, I have. And Orton I have, Corbyn did it wrong, by the way. Just to let you know, Corbyn did it wrong. By the way, Keir Starmer, the man in charge of his Brexit policy, should be leader. I mean, for fucking cognitive <laughs> dissonance, it's just nauseating. People have decided to put this at the heart of what they're all about. Elements of the centre left and the soft left always have to frame their arguments through that, and can never. See seem to debate anything else other than that at the moment everything is pinned on you know we have to stop brexit i had somebody say to me 
that because of Brexit, it had completely ended the debate on the economy, the, the debate around public spending. Fucking that hell, there was no really? point Labour even trying to develop a budget, kind of Shocking, <laughs> trying really. to develop an alternative economic policy, and um, because Brexit had put things up in the air, and that shows how these people's politics are merely based around kind of reactions to current events there's nothing fundamental because if you are a socialist if you are actually on the left you know that no matter what's happening the fundamental debate between socialism and capitalism will always be raging it will always be relevant and it will always be a point that needs to be made that our economic system needs to be done differently and brexit is just choking political debate in this country it's shutting out the basic needs of people like yeah, housing exactly. the levels of homelessness and the levels of hunger actually the use of food banks have not significantly improved recently and these issues need to be addressed and because the gilded bourgeoisie who constitute our media they feel personally affected by brexit they, they just talk about that instead of issues that are relevant in 2017 were relevant in 1997 were relevant in 1970 you know, the fundamental issues of how you feed your people, how you house your people, always go on. Not for these people, though. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, you can absolutely <laughs> tell when... They don't want this to be the agenda of the Labour Party, you know, to, to, to help people in. They can help, if they don't help themselves, we can't do anything. Yeah. Like, Christ. you can tell when somebody's socialism runs about half an inch deep when yeah. they are willing to quit the Corbyn project over the EU referendum. Exactly. I mean, like, go on to any of his tweets from June onwards, and it doesn't even have to be about Europe, but so someone responding like, oh, you're doing this, unlike with Europe, like, everyone trying to bring yeah. it back to that like it's some sort of stick to beat him with that they're trying to use it's just pathetic like get over it it's not <laughs> the eu is not fucking perfect we voted remain yeah but we are not under any illusion that it is perfect but again you can't have the discussion with these people because they've got it into their head that we have to stay in there is an alternative and these are the people who wanted to have owen smith as leader who would have just like completely alienated the majority of the electorate with those on europe and stuff oh yeah it, if, if the referendum had been conducted by first past the post it would have been a landslide leave triumphed in the vast majority of constituencies and furthermore it triumphed in the vast majority of labor constituencies so corbyn stands from the EU actually has majority support even in that most recalcitrant of places, the Parliamentary Labour Party. They'll make noises about how they're not happy with it, but it's whose stance it is, not what the stance is that they have a problem with. Yeah, um, uh, with the exception of the 50 or so people who voted against Article 50, I can see how some of them might do it to keep their seats. Like, those who did it as a point of principle. Like, Owen Smith. Like I th I'm, Did Ponty Prid vote leave <laughs> I, I have to admit i'm not too aware of, of the events or uh, you know what's going down in pontypridd the constituency of uh, owen well it's being flooded uh, it's been flooded by migrants you know by, by refugees oh, yeah. according it's to owen smith all, taking all the school places Ab absolutely taking all the school Just places and then i think no. it was michael chesham from a new statesman looked into that and it was like 
one refugee child had been settled in Pontypridd, something like that. Yeah, that's the legitimate concerns of these MPs, Pete. That's what counts for them as legitimate concerns. Like, yeah, well, Jesus I mean, Owen, Owen Smith, we should do a whole show, maybe at the year anniversary of yeah, his campaign, we should do a whole show listing his gaffes. Visor was he worked, he worked for? Yeah, Visor. Kind of looking at his past there and how he, he was trying to pitch himself as a kind of, you know, the same politics as Corbyn, but kind of more, yeah, that whole kind of alternative, that, you know, the Corbynism without Corbyn, as he was trying to put it, you know, when he ran the challenge. But yeah, we'll definitely do something on Owen Smith because he's an intriguing, you know, the 29 inch penis, the, <laughs> the kind of, you know, the blatant sexism that surrounds him. He was the best they had to put forward. Yeah. Well, but but then again, but again, not many of us wanted to go for it because it was a poison chalice, and he obviously got it into his head. But he may have stood a chance, and that's what's hilarious. I'm told by my senior Labour source that one of the guys from Guido Forks fucking hated Owen Smith, and, and yeah, so this is not a left winger. Guido Forks is is a horrible website. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy who will go unnamed from Guido Forks was apparently just like, who the fuck is this Blairite spad pretending to be a left winger? <laughs> <laughs> And if you look at Guido's coverage, it was just relentlessly shitting on all Owen Smith's kind of, uh, you know, the fact that he'd said a few years ago, like, I only disagree with Blair on Iraq. And then the year before that, he'd said, actually, I agree on the Iraq war. Like... <laughs> wow. Pontypridd voted to leave. I'm just seeing this on an ITV yeah. News article now. Pontypridd voted to leave. So Owen Smith has expressly defied the will of his constituents as well as the population at large, which, I mean, he could have lost his seat at the 2020 <laughs> general election. So <laughs> what? How, how? I mean, Corbyn ain't going to lose Islington in 2020. <laughs> like, how, <laughs> how the fuck could that have been possible? Only 24% voted leave in uh, his constituency compared with the, I think, just over 50% Owen Smith in Pontypridd. 50% just over 50%. <laughs> so, yeah, like, fucking... Smith, resign! <laughs> and Smith was like, I'm doing this, voting against Article 50, even though it will have a bad effect on my career. It's like, what <laughs> career? I... <laughs> I've noticed that the new Labour MP, Gareth Snell, likes to sit with him up in the, in the back benches and they, they usually sh they sit together from what I've oh, seen really? from the last few times I've seen. Yeah, so obviously Gareth Snell's kind of, you know, he's the new Stoke-on-Trent MP. Obviously he likes to kind of keep himself away from the main circle of the left that's trying to kind of make it work in Labour at the moment. But yeah, we knew that Gareth Snell wasn't there. We, we knew who was a moderate. His, uh, sorry, I need to stop using that. Yeah, sorry. We knew Gareth Snell was on the right, but his, his, his <laughs> election was worth it regardless. I do think yes. he's to the left of Tristram Hunt. And fucking hell, he's definitely to the left of Paul Nuttall. So let's uh, let's yeah, celebrate let's, that let's for now. Let's take some positives out, absolutely. That he beat the slug Paul Nuttall. I'm just getting this through now, apparently, that Chris Leslie, he lost his seat in the 2005 election, letting noted men's rights activist and awful misogynistic Tory oh, MP oh, Philip Davis into oh, Parliament. Oh, no. <laughs> so, thanks, like, Chris. fuck you, Chris Leslie, for letting him get into Parliament. That, like, because oh. Philip Davis is the guy who 
constantly like filibusts. He's a reprehensible cunt. And Chris Leslie, of course, having ascended far enough up the greasy pole of New Labour, he was back on shortlisted for another constituency in 2010. And, you know, five years later, this is the guy we want, Harriet Harman said, to manage the country's finances. I mean, the contrast between former Shadow Chancellor Chris Leslie and Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell could not be more stark. <laughs> so so going back to the pro-EU lot. An unbearable lot. An unbearable <laughs> lot. We're, we're, still, we're still on the topic of minor political figures who annoy us. Yes, anyone yeah. <laughs> who fucking espouses that bullshit. Yeah, so there was a rally yesterday that all the 48% uh, people <laughs> were, were... It's just, sorry, I... I find it very hard not to say wankers directly after 48%. <laughs> um, but I, they, they, were, they were all out at the March for Europe yesterday with such speakers as Jolly and Morm QC. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. He, he, he managed to prise his dick out of his windmill for long enough to uh, turn up on the podium. <laughs> uh, I actually don't know who spoke at it other than old Jolly and... This, is this, so this was the March for Europe? This was the March for Europe, and... Somebody posted, I think quite quite a beautiful tweet. I found it quite moving. It was, uh, it, 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 I'd say it reduced me to tears, if anything. It, 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 tears I mean, and joy, I hope. Uh, well, I, all, what I will say is, this tweet had a very profound effect on me. <laughs> and it was tweeted by someone called Mark Avery, who, in his bio on Twitter, has the hashtag ravings of an angry man. And now, you know, <laughs> he's angry about all the iniquities oh, of our no. society, all the issues plaguing the vulnerable. Today, um, Brexit. Brexit, like, yeah, so... <laughs> That's all he's <laughs> um, posting, wow. So Mark, hashtag a very angry man, said, this is definitely the image which best sums up the spirit and mood of today's hashtag March for Europe, hashtag Unite for Europe, don't have to smash things for change. And <laughs> the picture is of a large police car... <laughs> <laughs> Which pro-EU protesters are covering with flowers <laughs> oh. while a huge EU flag billows above the car. And I'm just checking and yes, all the people in this picture look very much like the kind of people who would be at the March for Europe, by yeah, which the, I mean yeah. white. And he's the <laughs> <laughs> Are these the kind of people, to kind of get an idea of the March for Europe, the 48 percenters, do they pine for the Progressive Alliance, would you say? Are they pine for the Progressive Alliance? They love that, that shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, it would range from the really progressive, the Liberal Democrats. Yeah, you know, you know those people that side with the Conservatives, you know. Yeah, <laughs> to moderate Labour. And, you know, I've actually had Lib Dems say to me recently that Labour are in coalition with the Tories now. No sense of <laughs> irony or self-awareness to, <laughs> to any of this stuff. Their memory doesn't stretch more than five years, it seems. <laughs> yes, so UKIP have lost their only sitting Member of Parliament, Douglas Yes. Douglas Carswell MP has defected to Boko Haram. <laughs>
He said it's the best way he can serve his constituents. <laughs> yeah, as somebody on Twitter pointed out to me, it's nice to see an MP actually move to the left. <laughs> um, so, so Douglas Carswell is maintaining he his was a f- yeah. strong anti-intellectual, anti-book stance in his new capacity as the parliamentary representative of Boko Haram. <laughs> Formerly a conservative, joined UKIP in 2014, and as the party continues to throw itself into further turmoil, literally everyone attacking each other, Farage going for him, that's <laughs> all just kind of just lying about everything and just yeah like punch-ups between mike hookham and uh <laughs> Stephen wolf yeah it's a party that see you think labor's in disarray but wow, wow. Like, <laughs> I, I love how ukip's been given a, a genuinely easy ride compared with labor but ukip are the party that's just been so much more kind of like they really are on the edge at the moment well you know they're the voice of the working class aren't they oh, working yeah. working class guys like Farage. <laughs> well mike hookham is to be fair but, I mean, yeah, yeah. but anyway aaron banks tweeted something about Carswell. I mean, it's not really his business if he's left for party as well, but he couldn't resist taking a pop in. He said to somebody who, this person he was presumably admonishing, he said, Carswell is a dysfunctional Tory boy with as much a grip on reality as you. I was, I was right the first time. Autistic with a touch of mental illness. And uh, my note by this is simply cunt. Yeah. Uh, so that was Aaron Banks who came out with that. Yeah, that was that was Aaron Banks who came out of that. And and uh, don't, don't get me wrong, Douglas Carswell is a fucking toad, but, but uh, uh, that's an appalling comment. Yeah, that's it's unacceptable. But I think yeah, just as a point of principle, we might sometimes be intemperate with our choice of words, but we don't attack people on grounds of mental health, kind of spurious or otherwise. It's as bad to try and associate somebody who isn't mentally ill with mental illness by using that as a pejorative phrase, which is incredibly stigmatizing as it is to use that to attack somebody who is mentally ill. So before we wrap this up, I think there's a couple of specific Labour MPs who we wanted to talk about. Now, these people... These people... These, 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 these fucking people. We're referring to, I believe, Tom Watson and the merry-go-round of the Labour right, I believe, who (laughs) slowly turling and going off the rails... uh, Tom Watson, live from his secret locked dredge wank bunker, has <laughs> come through with some radical conspiracy theories. Based on a video of John Landsman, the founder of Momentum, who basically in a video expressed a wish, and I'm informed by sources close to the Labour leadership that it is merely a wish, not an active plan, that Momentum affiliate with Unite, the largest union in the country. Go for it. Which is led by the left-winger Len McCluskey. Yeah, I think this is a great idea, but the reality is that there isn't there isn't this plan. It was John Landsman expressing a 
wider plan for momentum and in my view a good one because i think that a left-wing campaigning group which represents the left of the labor party the pro-union part of the labor party should be in contact with the union should be affiliated with them you know the inroads need to start happening now to get those essential positions in the party won by left candidates because it's just not it's just it's It's just not happening with the kind of forgive the pun momentum but we need to have more left-wingers getting like the the last two parts exactly the gorton by-election which somebody requested we talk about and we we should maybe very quickly touch upon our candidate for that it was not sammy wheeler the original left-wing choice who was put on the long list he was the original choice of a leadership when it was narrowed down to an all bame shortlist our candidate then didn't get the nomination and in fact when it went to a literal cop from the right of the party like an actual police officer he had genuinely worked for years as a cop Ah, (laughs) so this is what we're contending with the labor left are not doing so well organizationally within the party i'm hoping we can bring attention to the mcdonald amendment which is the amendment that should hopefully be passed at the labor conference later this year which would reduce the threshold of mps nominations needed to get a leadership candidate on the ballot and that will help the left but it's clear that the right like tom watson are completely driven by a sectarian desire to destroy the left and weaken them in any way possible we know they don't consider corbyn to be a good leader they don't consider him to be electable but they will keep him until the 2020 election if it means that the labor rules don't change and allow a left-wing candidate on it is all factional it's all about stopping the left oh yeah don't listen to the competence bollocks like these fuckers are incompetent as anything like they can't talk but that's not what it's about absolutely i mean like the tweet that he sent to john lansman just kind of the way it was phrased just it just coming off like a completely delusional conspiracy theorist just like i know your intentions he is the alex jones (laughs) of the labor right and i'm not not just talking about his waistline (laughs) Ripping off his shirt in PLP meetings. You scum! (laughs) I know your plan, John Lansman. Yeah, his sort of we know what you're up to thing to John Lansman (laughs) did come off very unhinged. Of course, Jess Phillips was aiding and abetting him in all that. Her sort of kind of hyperventilating, freaking out in public, uh, purposely propagating mistruths in her typically illiterate manner. Yeah, I mean, it it just... uh, just a, a sad episode, um, Watson briefing to the press about the Labour leadership, and it's all this idea of entryism and infiltration. It's nonsense. We've won the leadership two years in a row, and we're just trying to exert the according amount of influence. The Labour left have won the right to determine the direction of the Labour Party, and it's clearer than ever that the function of Tom Watson, ensconced at the top of the Labour Party, with his own leadership office, effectively, bankrolled by Max, son of Oswald Mosley, exists purely as a bulwark against the left organisationally within the party. Yeah. Absolutely. It's shocking, really. But then the annoying thing is, is that there really can't be a challenge to him either, because it's just going to like we can't try and like because I loved how on Twitter there was this account set up that was like Emily Formbury for deputy. And they added her going, you know, we want you to have a challenge. I don't know whether this was just some person making this account to cause shit or whatever. But kind of even if that was a possibility, we can't afford 
further disruption and kind of just well i mean i don't i don't know i I think the right are disrupting things enough as it is but can we really even if it was a deputy leadership challenge could we afford more yeah fuck it why not we've been been, been navel gazing for as long as it is we might as well get the party on a straight course yeah so yeah emily thornbury rumors came out just after tom watson started this recent big kind of anti-corbyn push Rumours started to come out that Emily Thornbury was going to challenge Tom Watson for the deputy leadership, and I'm told reliably of a couple of things. But first of all, this didn't come from the Labour leadership. It came from supporters. So this is genuinely coming from the grassroots. But secondly... And the, and the great thing is that Corbyn would be like, well, this is for the members, you know, this is... <laughs> he'd, he'd be happily just like, OK, I can't impinge on Labour Party democracy. It'll be great because... It's time for him to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, the second thing I was told was that actually, although it started off as just bullshit, started by the grassroots, apparently it's actually gaining a significant amount of momentum and a lot of people are quite open to it. I'm even hearing rumours that she's got almost enough signatures from MPs to mount such a challenge. Although, again, this would be a lot easier if the McDonnell Amendment was passed, presuming that applies to deputy leaders as well but yeah tom watson has made a joke of himself yeah just look at his ask fm account have you got the link to tom watson's ask fm account google last fm baggy mp (laughs) all all one word so like you know the manchester baggy scene but yeah look at the picture that's tom watson there in cartoon form and he's been using it since 2005 i remember us checking this out well over like a year ago or something and he was really into like slaves that two-piece punk band yeah um, he was really into them with their lyrics going that you know the scientists are the problem the scientists don't want to tell you the truth not the politicians we don't like experts experts, (laughs) yeah fucking experts (laughs) fuck off fuck off mate to be fair most experts are like fucking cunts i mean like if, if you look at like any professor of political science in the uk just worthless <laughs> but yeah okay so my musical compatibility with tom watson is medium we both listen to bonnie there neil young and the velvet underground although i checked i i, I actually checked and neil young is his 239th most listened artist with a mere 25 plays Incidentally, at 238, I guess I guess e- really equal, but also with 25 plays is Mumford and Sons. <laughs> Fuck you, Tom Watson. <laughs> Fuck you. And no surprise, of course, that a particular name cropped up in his top 10 most listened artists. Talking about, of course, the police. Yeah. I see that I, there's a bit of the killers here. Mr. Brightside, a bit of Foo Fighters. Yeah, he listens to Corn, which is fucking weird. Oh, yeah. No, a bit of The Clash, you know. A bit of the Clash. Oasis are his 42nd most listened artist of 157 really? plays. Who's his most listened to artist? Oh, it's Billy Bragg. Oh, oh, okay. Interesting. So, <laughs> we know what side Billy Bragg's on in Labour's yeah. internal division. So... Oh, a bit of Genesis here as well in TV. <laughs> Just imagine, like, just going through life knowing that your favourite artist just thinks you're a Blairite slug. (laughs) 
Tom Watson's not actually a Blairite. I was pretty... More of a Brownite, really, isn't he? Well, he's more sort of old Labour, right? But uh, yeah, I think he did ally himself with Brown in order to help get rid of Blair in 2006. Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting. Like John McTernan, he's a big fan of the fall. <laughs> the... <laughs> He, I mean, he has a, he's, he's not really got the worst music taste, it's just complete dad music taste. It's yeah. like, he definitely buys Mojo magazine, and every Christmas, uh, like, or Uncut magazine, every Christmas, like, goes through their best albums of the year list and puts them on his list. That, that's what Tom Watson's all about, really. Um, and yeah, fucking jokes, he listens to Korn. <laughs> New metal Tom Watson. But there's another MP who I feel we should shine a little bit of light on because he's um, a tosser. I think it's just important <laughs> to get this out in the open. So this is a man called Neil Coyle, who I, I, I don't know if you're aware of him. Is he in any way related to... Did you say Coyle? Coyle, yeah. No relation of Gerard Coyne, the uh, soon-to-be-failed Unite General Secretary candidate. Good. But he is an awful man, Neil Coyle. He's Um, a Labour MP for... Yeah, for Bermondsey and Old South... South, uh, South... 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 I'm having a mad one here today. (laughs) It's Southwark. Southwark. Yeah. So, so essentially, (laughs) Neil Coyle has told the leader's office that he needs to put distance between himself and Corbyn, otherwise he'll lose his seat. So he's out there attacking the party, attacking Corbyn, damaging Labour in the country as a whole, in order to maintain his own political career, the little slug. So his plan isn't to be a really good constituency MP who people might want to re-elect. No, 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 no. Just a um, poor shit. Like, great, exactly. Thank you. Thanks yeah. Much, and of course the media are very pliant and giving him attention. And in fact, on the day of the EU referendum, when we'd voted to leave, although it wasn't quite known yet, Neil Coyle was right there in the TV studios before the result was out, slagging off Corbyn and saying that the campaign was lacklustre. Because you know, you know how we were saying journalists, and this applies to MPs as well, they, they sort of try and see themselves as passive observers rather than active participants of politics. Yeah, so yeah. during Labour's EU referendum campaign, all these MPs came out and put out this line that Corbyn wasn't committed enough to the campaign to stay in, and that yes. people didn't know Labour's stance on the EU referendum. So you had MPs literally briefing the media not about what Labour's stance on the EU referendum was, but that people didn't know what it was about. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, because that's an issue they actually care about as well. Obviously, they want Corbyn gone. They'll do that shit to sabotage him. Um, Corbyn's people in the leader's office had to put up with like 80 to 90 phone calls, texts, emails from the press every day during Owen Smith's leadership challenge simply from the stuff that the PLP were briefing to the press. I mean, they're determined to undermine him. And Coyle is just a... He's a real wrong'un. He was out there talking down Corbyn in the TV studios before the result of a referendum was even out, saying that he should maybe consider his leadership. He's apparently best mates with the head of public affairs at William Hill, the gamblers. Just... (laughs) Oh, wow. So he would have put a bet in, like, kind of... He would have been putting bets in on... 
<laughs> it's like, well, he's on the leadership election. In fact, our senior source says the guy is a corporate sop, goes on jollies with the bookies when there are betting shops fucking everywhere in his constituency, just likes the perks. And Coyle is described here in this quote we got as a Westminster-centric bellend. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sorry to his constituents that they have an MP who thinks that his duty is just to slag off the elected leader of his party all the time. Sorry for the MP you have. Just an absolute mel. Um, you know, a, a source tells us he's been an MP for about 18 months and needs to wind his neck in. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, that's Neil Coyle. We've touched on him. We've touched on Tom Watson, and I think before we go, we should shout out Seamus Milne, who needs Seamus to know is that amazing. people support him out there, people appreciate what he's doing. Yeah. You're great, Seamus. We love you. We love your we luck. Love you, we love Seamus. your politics. We love your writings. We love your sunglasses. We, we hero you. worship you, Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a cult of personality of Seamus Milne on the show, you see. So We think that The Enemy Within is a more substantial piece of work than anything your detractors will ever muster in their miserable little shitty toad lives. And also we think you're sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and we are glad that you're staying on with the ship. And I'm not told... returning to that fucking sinking ship, the Guardian. <laughs> and I am reliably informed that Seamus Milne has been made aware that the boys of the Real Politic podcast and our close allies are fans of him. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it's all about, really. Solidarity. Letting Seamus know. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on a special uh, edition of Real Politic. Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, we declare, yes. We declare slow cuts... The <laughs> sorry, sorry. I user. thought you were going to declare a fat war at the end of the show. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, we're going to declare. I was like, I what? I was like, are we going down that route again with the the uh, the caliphates and the fat wars? <laughs> we're always going down that road. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what way to end a show? Right? This week? <laughs> All roads lead to Raqqa. <laughs> MI5 listening, don't worry, it's a joke. You're not going to declare a fat war on anyone. Yeah, um, Slow Cuts, I believe, wanted us to shout out him for being the sexiest person on Twitter. Yes. However, Seamus Milne's on Twitter, mate, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, he's always just retweeting stuff, isn't he? He's not really, he's just retweeting the kind of like Corbyn or kind of momentum. And yeah, he's, yeah he's... but it's not a public role. His job is to stay behind the scenes, which is obviously um, a shame because he's a great writer. Yeah. I'm also hearing that in the corridors of power, a certain John Woodcock <laughs> has become known by the moniker Woodencock. <laughs> Although I, <laughs> I would point out to our, our friends in uh, the corridors of power that his name is penis, penis, penis. <laughs> All the components of his name mean penis. <laughs> Oh, and I, for one, am absolutely fucking psyched for Seamus Milne's next book. When he gets to tell his side of the story of the Corbyn era, just sees all the slugs yeah, on. Like, oh be... my god. I'm, I'm just going to read it in one night and then start reading it again. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of them are terrified about, all the scoops that he's getting. 
and if it's true that they've lost their temper at him in parliamentary meeting, it, they, they, they can't get him out on policy. Corbyn, they can't get him out on votes at the moment. They want to just create an atmosphere of bullying and intimidation and, and to try and get into his head that he's going to destroy the party if he stays in, which he won't. But the man, again, he's flawed. But I admire him, as I'm sure you'll agree with me, because as, as Len McCluskey referred to him, Corbyn is a man of steel. He will not just walk away. You know, he knows what's at stake. He is and a man of steel and not actively fash like Superman either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? The momentum does put some fucking suspect memes on their face <laughs> i gotta admit you know what i i want momentum to succeed but some of your memes man sort it out <laughs> sort it out they need to hand the account over to the real politic crew they do and we, we will, would we will be getting that ideologically correct all four of us just kind of just doing threads of just just the good stuff all right you've been listening to the real politic podcast with jack frayne reed and tom foster Thanks for listening, comrades. Uh, follow us at RealPolitCast on Twitter. Uh, follow me at UberCoca, Tom at... TFoster underscore 94. Be sure to follow Yair at YSRice and follow Kieran at HipsterScumbag. Thanks for listening, comrades. Uh, shout out to all the bad hombres, etc, etc. we will see many victims of market forces. I do not share the general view that market forces are the basis of political liberty. Every time I see a person in a cardboard box in London, I say that person is a victim of market forces. Every time I see a pensioner who can't manage, a victim of market forces. The sick who are waiting for medical treatment that they could accelerate by private insurance. They are the victims of market forces. 